Diabetes Issue Stanford. I'm Mark Mullen. This is the Henry George Program. This is a show that explores the intersection of economics, housing, morality, and more. Today, we have a just morality center program with economics. We have on uh, Simon McKenna. Simon McKenna is a member of the Henry George Foundation. He's uh, over there in, in the UK. And is a contributor to Land and Liberty magazine and is uh, working with, with uh, religious groups to try to influence how the economy could be more fair. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, let's uh, just get into things. Welcome, Simon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, I guess I uh, just uh, recently came in contact with you when I was uh, kind of reaching out on a recent project uh, by the uh, uh, committee of uh, the British Society of Friends, that is the Quakers, uh, in particular their Peace and Social uh, Witness uh, Committee, uh, and they are always trying to look at ways of reaching economic justice, and they are exploring... uh, basically land reform in the form of uh, on the land value tax. And they're actually collaborating uh, with uh, my guest today, uh, Simon McKenna, uh, to learn more about uh, basically what is <laughs> what is justice in, in land. How did, how did this collaboration uh, come about? Um, yeah, it's um, it's been really um, exciting, really rewarding, actually, because um, one of my interests in Henry George and uh, his philosophy and his political economy or his economics has been the spiritual dimension. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a Christian myself. And um, and uh, some of us in the Henry George Foundation of Great Britain are also Christians. And uh, we feel that the Christian sort of side of Henry George has been greatly neglected, barely discussed at all, in fact. And um, in the Henry George movement, as it were, uh, since... Um, well, since it was established in this country, so since um, like Lloyd George and Winston Churchill, we have, we have the slight feeling that it's become sort of reduced as a kind of economic, uh, just to an economic policy, you know, to land value tax, when we feel there's a sort of spiritual dimension to it. Um, I do not know exactly how it happened, but um, somehow um, a friend of mine, Joseph, Joseph Milne, who also works at Land and Liberty. In fact, he's the editor at Land and Liberty. Land and Liberty. He found out about um, uh, Jocelyn. Uh, I forget her second name now. Uh, Jocelyn, who's uh, been working, uh, who, who is a Quaker in England, uh, and uh, who had just put out uh, a. She made a, a sort of fact sheet on land value taxation, and. Um, and, and Joseph shared this with me, and I got in contact with Jocelyn, and um, and yeah, we've been we've been talking about it uh, online uh, together as a community of, of like Christians, but mainly mainly of Quakers, because she's particularly interested in trying to find out like what's the Quaker um, in how does land value taxation, which I mean everyone who looks at land value taxation with any degree of sort of uh, perspicuity sees that it's a, it's a great um, it's you know it's a great remedy to our social problems as, as Henry George says um, but yeah so she's she's particularly interested um, in in finding out where exactly um, that land value taxation fits in to the um, 
the Quaker movement, which as you as a, as a you're a Quaker as well, right? That's so, right. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I, I'm in uh, talks uh, to basically I'm trying to schedule to have a conversation with uh, uh, with uh, some representative of the Quaker Peace and Social Witness. I'd love to have a uh-huh. you know, Quaker to Quaker talk, but I mean, I think Quakers are fairly marginal in as far as a, a uh, the face of Christianity in America people don't think of them i guess in in britain uh in in so far as you know the the idea of of land reform in in the henry george mold it's it's touched a lot of different uh, types of christians everyone from i guess this strange christian mysticism of of tolstoy uh to he worked a lot with the catholic movement uh in in new york city in the us uh he uh, and had notable run-ins with with bishops uh, trying to mm, yeah. yeah and I guess uh, yeah well what what is the face of I guess economic reform uh, as far as making you know economic justice uh, within the Christian movement in in uh, in Britain yeah I mean that's right I mean I'm 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 fascinated by that and and I can only say that it seems to me like um, the established church and Christians in general have completely dropped the ball when it comes to um, having any sensible notions of what justice looks like in an economic system. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's terrible. I mean, and it's not, it's not something that's happened just after the Second World War. It's something that's, that's gone back now uh, really quite far. It's like maybe to the time of Adam Smith, and we're thinking that around the time of Adam Smith, when, when Adam Smith was writing, um, so was it mid 18th century? He he it was still a kind of properly Christian society, like a an actual Christian society in in England. So much so that he could put forward his kind of his ideas about benevolent individualism and be confident that the Christian society would absorb them and remain Christian, right? But what's actually happened since then is that um, the society at large has has become um, not at all Christian, and um, even Christians have become completely apathetic and complicit in uh, economic injustice, which actually is something that Henry George himself was really hot on and he 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 was merciless in his um in his dissection of uh christians in when he when he came to glasgow for example in was it 1886 uh he he basically accused them of all being otherworldly christians that they somehow thought that justice only existed in heaven and that um that the, the the world the the gift of existence the creation uh the uh you know earth was somehow uh, doomed and, and because it was like the material realm it was the realm of evil and he told them and I, it was it is incredible I, I read i did write an article about it and um his his perspicuity and his his radical christianity um is something that uh, is has been utterly lacking and Christian thought, I think. Yeah, it's interesting too. Yeah, because I think uh, Henry George, he he, he's, there's a, a, a very uh, references to the divine throughout his work, but he himself mm. wasn't particularly orthodox with any denomination. And in fact, at later works, uh, you know, he was influenced by Schopenhauer and would make references to the fact that 
almost like every religion of the world seems to be kind of bending towards some realization of right and wrong. Uh, and we're all kind of getting there. Uh, and I guess even, you know, the fact that I guess, you know, especially in Britain, uh, there's a growing secularization, but people still acknowledge, you know, the importance of right and wrong. And I think that's something that we're all, I think, as a society figuring out as people, you know, are saying, well, I, I don't really buy into this and that, but, you know, morality really matters. And how do, how do we figure out how to run society with that in mind? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is, this is um, another key area that I'm interested in. Um, it, it's it's the the problem of justice and how does one articulate justice and and it seems it seems today that it's come down to uh, talk about rights which I think is highly problematic um, but I mean just to get back to your point I, I I'm I'm really interested in the study of of rhetorics or persuasion in uh, in in philosophy and economics and and that's partly due to my um, my professional experience of teaching and teaching English, um, so teaching language, um, but also um, from my reading of George and just how remarkable he is as a communicator. And um, and so I've, I've been writing a dissertation on, on rhetoric in, um, in liberal uh, political philosophy, both of the ancient Greeks and of the modern times. And I always got Henry George in my mind, you know, um, because he is such a master at rhetoric. I mean, the, one of the frustrating things about him is that if you if you go to Progress and Poverty, for example, um, looking for what did he think about, you know, um, land, even land, even something like that, how did he define land, right? And you can go there, and what he'll say, he'll, he'll give you this massive analogy about what land is. He, he's not, he, he it turns out he is an absolute master of analogy and, and basically everything he talks about is explained in terms of something else, which I think is actually being key to his success. I mean, it's how he made economics accessible. I mean, uh, Progress and Poverty was the best-selling um, economic textbook of all time, and um, and and it and it really turned people on to economics, right? Because he he mastered this way of describing things. But yeah, so I mean, I've become aware of of, of rhetoric as a technique or persuasion as a technique, and how um, people become skilled philosophers, particularly political philosophers in particular, become really skilled at um, at rhetoric. Yeah, I mean, you're talking a lot about you know how people you know just naturally. People are driven to to work and make new things and innovate, and they you know it's they should 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 enjoy this and not uh, you know not receive you know not have this stolen from them. But I think on top of it, there's probably a distribution of there's people who are more you know driven to work, and there's some people who just want to. I think they would prefer to be lazy and relax. And I think you know if some people are that way, and it it shouldn't be a death sentence, but it's it's right. It, it, and that's it's true. And that's kind of the, yeah, absolutely, the, absolutely. That's a Christian, you know. That's a, according to Weber. That's a Christian innovation, right? This idea that the the harder you work, the closer you get to heaven, and 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 it's and it's it's terrible, and and it's 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 really misunderstanding what work is about. Work is something really profound something really personal you know it's it's how we express our deepest creative individuality george knew that i think he he really articulates that well and and the 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 point is the reason that wages are so low 
because wages are so low, it, it does two things, right? It makes people who panic work more, right? Yeah. And it makes people who are more sensible than these people who panic see how pointless it is. And 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 I've been there. I've um, I, I've I've had to uh, work in one of these kind of industrial call centres, right, where my contract was forty hours at forty hours a week, uh, which is the most hours you know in an uh, organisation I've ever had to to work, and it's soul destroying. It's it's it is worse than being in school, right? Yeah. It's but it's similar to that. It's it's like being in prison. And the worst thing about it is that it takes the best hours out of the day. And I realized while I was working there that there was no compensation for that. Like there was no money that they could pay me that's going to make up for the day I lost, for that beautiful sunny day where I should be free to enjoy the fruits of the earth and to find out who I am, right? And to produce something for the world rather than just working for the shareholders, right? And and that was a really profound experience for me. So I am by no means one of these kind of like um, jobs worth type people. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what one dangerous conflation is uh, conflating, uh, you know, basically work you get paid for with work which is, you know, useful. I mean, a lot of people, mm-hmm. they put a lot of work in and they do really, you know, interesting, useful things. Uh, and they may not get paid very much. Uh, and I think a lot of it might even be uh, very oblique. Let's say someone is, uh, you know, they pour their, their, their labor and their work into, let's say, improving the cultural scene of a city. And, and they, that could be yeah. something they – usually you but, don't get paid like for – Like artists. Yeah, exactly. Art, like yeah. on the walls, making the world more beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. If you're a musician in San Francisco or if yeah. you're – you know, and, and like you could be you know, barely getting by, but in an indirect way, you're making the city a lot richer. And that even, that even shows up in the fact that people pay rent – you know, they pay higher rents to be around artists. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the truth is, yeah, I mean, and you could say in a lot of ways that the wealth that you generate in this roundabout way should be coming back to you. And this is in a way that... More than that. I want to say more than that, Mark. I mean, the, the work, the artists, the musicians, right? That is civilization. Oh, yes. Right? You know, the plowing the fields, the feeding ourselves, the, that's, that's something, right? It's important. Right, but it's only the means to a life. It's not the end of a life, right? And and humans are um, taught to an anthropologist that we're basically defined by our kind of higher level symbolic kind of understanding. So, uh, well, or, or our aesthetic appreciation, you know, music, art, um, helping people. You know, this that's something essentially human. Something I want to draw. Uh, you said earlier that you don't think that looking at rights is a very, I guess prudent way to to look at uh i guess how we administer fairness across uh, could, could you speak more on on what what your feelings are about what what rights be in this context yeah absolutely rights i i see rights as an acquisitive acquisitive form of morality right so they treat um, moral virtues as possessions that are owed to individuals like um so this is the the modern idea of rights 
Now, the kind of classical idea of rights were more what we call responsibilities. Hmm. And so um, they thought about what they owed to the community. And once they had given what they were owed, owed what they owed to the community, they were then free to be individuals. And, and for them to be an individual was to be excellent at something. So to be an excellent um, athlete uh, to, uh, or to, to, to contemplate. I mean, that was the philosophical goal was you've you settled all your bills you've done all the things that are necessary now you can contemplate the gods right you can contemplate being itself and this is somehow they thought was particularly human pursuit but we've got this idea today and it's part of our um, redefinition of human nature into homo economicus right that everything is property that that nature is property, that I can alienate a piece of land and say it's mine, right? And and it's absurd to every other culture in every other civilization, uh, civilizations with, populated with people of in no way any less intelligence than we have. And that's another misconception we have, that the people in previous times were less intelligent. But yeah, the, this, the rights thing is now, it's an invention by Thomas Hobbes, right? Hobbes invented rights, and he invented rights because he believed that every individual necessarily had his own idea about what is morally virtuous and what's morally repugnant, right? That he, he thought that the best way to control these people, and he, to be fair to him, he lived in time of, of civil war, of religious civil war in, in England, and was kind of ripping the country apart because these two, you know, the Catholics and the Protestants were sort of fighting it out. Um, but he thought that all belief was like this, that each individual had their own belief that basically they thought that they were better than anyone else. And uh, that there was no integrity innate to any human being that... Um, just like uh, Freud and uh, Nietzsche think that, you know, it's all about the will to power. But, um, yeah, so he thought that the best way to control people was to have them have this idea that they are entitled to their own opinion and that everyone else owes them the respect to this opinion. And he thought that this was good and that this would control people because of the principle of divide and conquer. And so rights are this like atomistic acquisitive idea of morality which flip the traditional liberal idea of morality on its head so um, and it's it's quite it's quite deep it's quite deep it's it's mixed in with this idea that human society isn't natural that um, that technology isn't natural that uh, that that human intelligence isn't natural uh, and we have this idea that um, that our intelligence is this sort of artificial or um, epiphenomenal um, tool that is used to dominate other people. And um, we have this terribly pessimistic view of of uh, of humans. And rights are just the way uh, that that you know, assuming all of this atomistic philosophy and this pessimism towards human nature, assuming that's all true, the only way that you can sort of protect or have any kind of society, but on, on the basis of these kind of atomistic individuals, is to have rights. Is is to force other people to recognise your individuality. And um, 
and, and so yeah rights are this like you have to you have to give it to me you have to give me respect it's not something that i earn it's something that is given to me by virtue of my race or my gender or um my economic <laughs> position uh, it's it's a really it's really deep really pernicious um the, the main problem is it that is that it can never it can never rights will never bring peace uh, they will never they, they promise to bring peace and justice but they are premised on the opposite of peace and justice take for, uh, take for example um the uh, uh it's very controversial but the the problem in israel and and palestine and now the the um the idea is that um you know um that the, the uh, the, it, it's very, it's very, it's a problematic example, really. But the idea is that you know um, w- we can give um, we can give rights to people, and and that's going to stop conflict, right? We can think with if we give the UN set up this Charter of Human Rights, so everyone's got these rights; they should be respected. Um, but in reality, they're not. I mean, the Palestinian has the same rights in theory as an Israeli, um, but they're routinely not respected um that's just a that's just another yeah. problem of, of rights well, they, they actually don't work so i mean i think it's 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 become very pervasive in economics like the serious way mm-hmm. to look at law and economics is you know property rights theory and then every everything look at you know uh, the coast theorem you're, you'll bargain it out and it turns everything into basically competition and everything is you know this idea of yeah you you will you will fight for each other over every scrap and there's really not much room for any kind of cooperation or collaboration um right yeah i mean property rights is an excellent example we had this discussion on on the lvt forum on facebook recently whereby someone asked like isn't there um any grounds for like suing governments for for not respecting people's rights to having a place to live right hmm. um I and mean, it's a good question and and it turns out there is no basis like i mean yeah you look at the rights and it, you look at um the uh, more economic parts of the bill of human rights the un or or either the constitution in america and, and uh, you could you, you can argue that there that within those rights there are there is justification for each person having a, a place, a, a right to exist, like an actual uh, place to live, right? But in practice, there is no right to appeal to. And even if there was, there would be a counterclaim. Right? And this is the whole problem of well, what faces Georges, Georgists and Georgism and, and people who um, agree with Henry George like I do, is that you know we say that you know people have a right to... Um, keep the the product of their of their um, of their work, and that the, um, that it's unjust f- to monopolize land yeah. uh, like like is currently sanctioned. But the the landowners and so on will use their right to property to counteract that. They yeah. say, well, you think you have your right to somewhere to live, but I've got my right to own the piece of land where you live, and and it's an absolute stalemate. Well, and I think I think the question is, what do you do with it? I think it's only like a small amount of people who say, if you say something, 
Like, and people say this, like, you know, having a home is, you know, having a roof over your head and just be having shelter, you know, is a human, a basic human right. And some you people, so. I mean, it's, I mean, and some people would say like, well, I mean, when you say that, all you're saying is a modern society should try to make sure, you know, we have the resources to make sure that nobody is homeless. You know, it's just a pragmatic it's statement. easy, you'd think. Yeah. yeah, it's a pragmatic statement of goal. But I think some people say like, well, this is, you know, you're you're writing a series of rules and you can't say that you have a right to health care because then you're, you're making doctors your slaves. And like, it's like, no, no one is no. really, no one is saying that we're making this big rule book. You know, I think that rights is, it's, I think most people use it pragmatically to mean it's just a kind of goal of what you know a society should try for it's, it's similar in that regard to the universal basic income thing it's like yeah in theory like in in a certain way of looking at things you can say yeah okay i can see the sort of theory of it it's it's logically coherent right yeah but it is it's, it's got a logical coherence that has no bearing to reality like it's it might be logically coherent but it's 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 ineffective I mean, uh, property rights and homelessness is, is a good example because in the UK and then I think in America, there are more empty homes than there are homeless people. Yeah. Right? So it's, it, it's it, but it is merely the property owner's claim to their right to their property that keeps those homes empty and keeps those people on the street. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of people have said, it, you know, it's 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 so, just. I mean, like we we have we might think you might think we'd have a right to somewhere to live, but and 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 the UN can write it in their convention, and we could put it on like our convention, but unless we realise that we have a duty to our fellow citizens, there is no basis for acting on these rights. Yeah. No. Do you see what I mean? It's 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 the this is this is the thing. This is I mean the the Jews in Nazi Germany had rights, but but no one recognised them. Yeah, no, I mean this is the problem. It's like uh, like uh, people who don't have statehood. Uh, um, you know, no one recognises their rights. They might have rights, but in practice, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, that's, so it, it's, it's, it's very it's, your right yeah. to your life is not going to stop someone um, from killing you. What's going to stop them from killing you is that they realize that they have a duty to your life. Yeah. No, I, I think it's very funny yeah. to say that, you know, everyone says like you, you can imagine you're on like some, you know, shipwreck and people say like, oh, I have a right to free speech here. It's like, you know, who are you, who are you appealing to? And everyone feels they're always appealing <laughs> right to, to this this yeah. higher court. But like ultimately, you know, the higher courts, we created them, you know, because, you know, we have decided, you know, it's a good way to, to make things work. But ultimately, you run out of people to appeal to, you know, if mm. and I, I think ultimately on deaf ears. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, and it's it's a problem. It's a problem. It's a really big problem, though, for us, because we are like we we fail to make this distinction between what is right in theory, yeah. like what is is right in principle almost and the actual real life you know and it's that's the thing about ubi or rights talks and, and various other kind of solutions is that yeah in your like in your system in your book it all makes freaking sense but in reality it doesn't make a difference like yeah. you need without compassion yeah. to your fellow man 
there is there's no basis for the effectiveness of rights. I think ultimately you say like, what is the ultimate arbiter of of you know how things ultimately happen? You say either it is a completely amoral. Uh, appeal to power. It's just basically, uh, ultimately, it's we have more ability to make you do things because we have guns and sticks and we will, you know, just make you do it. And power is all that matters. And I think in a lot of cases, you know, the kind of, uh, there's there's kind of this amoral, nihilistic, uh, you know, power dynamics, and that's all people believe in. I find that to be pretty terrifying. Uh, I mean, that's, it, that's interesting, you know, because that's the way a lot of rights talk tends. Yeah. You know, I have the right to it. And if it's not given to me, I'm going to take it. Yeah. And, and it's and, 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 and they feel justified in doing it. That's the scary thing. And I think they don't they don't see that the original premise for their kind of invoking of rights is invalidated, that the the lack of justice that they are pained by and rightly so. Yeah, is is compromised by their lack of justice, <laughs> and and I think and the the only other arbiter is saying there is something beyond you know our you know shabby <laughs> shabby bodies walking around the earth you right. know and there is a real truth to morality and we have to appeal to something we know is true uh, and right. I, and I'd say and that's like, where Christianity comes in yeah and I think because I think also if we're all children of God. Then we are all so we are equal in that profound spiritual sense. Yeah, I mean it's really, really it's it's a surprising thing that that could ever happen. That you say, you know, even though I am, you know, meek and I have nothing, and I am, you know, I'm at your mercy. You know, do what you think is right. And a lot of people say, like, of course, no one would ever do that because they have the power. But you know, there's, you know, uh, well, that's. <laughs> That's just not true. Yeah, I mean, it just isn't true, and it's um, it's 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 been proven quite quite um, quite conclusively. You know, that's called game theory, isn't it? One of the manifestations of that um, that kind of uh, a very negative view of human nature. It, it, it was it was in game theory, and the theory was that whatever the situation, you always will negotiate or twist circumstances yeah. to to your advantage. And so they 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 were so confident about it, they'd wanted to prove it in the laboratory. And so when they did the tests, they found out that people very often will go against their better interests yeah. because they think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, it's very funny. It's 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 and it even you can even see how it makes sense. I mean, game theory. People say you will betray others because it is in your interest. But if you do it again and again, you'll realize, oh, this happens repeatedly. So I'm not going to screw someone over because in the long term, you know, I will face this person again, and we realize that actually cooperation will work, will work for us in the long term. And people mutually say, beneficial. Yeah, and then people it's, say it's like, better, isn't it? <laughs> and then it's this, the even more surprising thing is, well, that's if the same person you deal with. You know, what if it's a stranger and you're guaranteed mm. never see him again? It's a person you run into mm. in the city, but people will. And this is kind of you know, you could even say it makes sense in some weird rational way that. Even if it's a stranger, you should do unto them as you would have, you know, do, done unto you. Because yeah. in the long term, this kind of distributed, you know, uh, cooperation, it's going to help everyone out and just be nice mm -hmm. to people. It's 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 good for you. It's deep, man. It's deep. Yeah. It's really deep. It's really deep, and it's because we recognize 
we recognize in another being, even if it's not human, like even if it's just an animal, you know, we recognize that thing that animates them is somehow the same thing that animates us, right? The soul, yeah. you call it that, right? The spirit. The, 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 and we see it when people die, that the spirit goes, you know. Um, yeah, and so uh, and I, I don't know if you, if you travel and you do find yourself, uh, I've, I remember um, traveling across um, like uh, Western China, finding myself in all bizarre kind of cir- circumstances, completely um, unable to, you know, speak Chinese, don't know which way is which. I'm, I'm completely lost. And countless times... I I was looked after. I was shown the right way. I was treated with respect, you know. And and you're right, you know. I think this game theory, the game theory, is a classic example of how the theory doesn't isn't sophisticated enough. Yeah, right? it just isn't sophisticated enough for the actual reality. And and as intelligent human beings, when we're out there and we see a stranger, we want to help. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, People would say yeah, apparently yeah. it's not rational, but it is rational. Yeah, it's like a very perverted notion of reason. Yeah, that's the thing. Like if you you steal their your know, money and walk away, like your payout is plus five. But like really, the fact you have a pit in your stomach, you're gonna f- you know feel yeah. the fact, and like that's never really in this kind of homo economicus or just this idea of the perfectly rational being. Like it's it, all these psychopaths who, and I I don't think I think there there are people who have no real intuitive sense of right and wrong, but I think they're it's a it's. A, a very they're they're an abhorrence. They're an abhorrence. I mean, I, mean, I think TV it's, shows about them. Yeah, I think it's so unusual. I think know? it's a very unfortunate class of people with a really awful disease in a way. And I I I, yeah. I, I, I pity. And I think it's we shouldn't normalize that. I mean, I think most people realize, boy, that's awful. But it's really mm. nice that most people are nice, you know, and actually don't feel that way. It's absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean. Uh, it's a total travesty I and mean, it's a total reductionist travesty uh, that is still very common it's really interesting actually if you ask people right if you ask people what motivates people you know if you ask them a theory a theoretical question they'll tell you they'll come out with this oh yeah we're all selfish we're just after our own self-interest like oh yeah we'll all cheat each other and everything but when you watch people they don't yeah it's, it's really interesting right we've got this bizarre idea it's not true it's 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 an invention it's a creation and it's again it goes back to hobbes who for example um imagined uh, and presented it as a history that, that this uh, that that humans were uh, were, were, were the noble were, were savages you know not nobles well that's that's Rousseau who's a noble savage but it, he took up the idea that this idea that we, we were individuals before we were a community and it's been it's a it's a complete fiction right because it's impossible on a biological level and it's like you only have to look at history and see that it's never been the case and it can never be the case right no yeah. man can live by himself and right? and, the, I mean, and then hobbes he creates this this the great king the leviathan you know this to basically mm-hmm. order everybody around to stop being jerks to each other and it's this idea is like boy you know i think interesting you don't have to like you know, threaten people and beat them to make sure they're just not jerks. I think that most mm. people will, in their heart of hearts, know that it's just it's not 
only wrong, but it's foolish. <laughs> you don't need to, like... Right. Yeah. Right, well, this is this is the really sinister side of modern liberalism, and it, and it does start with Machiavelli and Hobbes, and, but it's it's there in in um, in, in the Economists and um, C. B. McPherson is a uh, Canadian uh, intellectual and writer on uh, economics. He's fascinating and he's shown that basically the the motivation behind Hobbes, for example, uh, was the ideology of the market. So he really was interested in in making money. Like he he thought community and uh, all of that stuff was like getting in the way of business. So his whole philosophy, his whole his whole book, the Leviathan, is propaganda. Right, this whole um, myth that he creates of of individuals bartering with each other. Right. Yeah. It, um, is because he wants to replace community with mark with the market. Yeah. And it, it's been terribly successful. I mean, and that's the thing too. It's like it's it, people feel it's all or nothing. Either you have the idea that you know there is you know that trade is outlawed and work is outlawed and everything is you know comes down from above on you know and just any sort of 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 transaction is evil or everything is commoditized and the market rules. And I I think the market can be. I mean, having markets can be a very powerful tool on cooperating, but the thing is you have to design markets and administer markets in that they also comply with what everyone agrees is right and wrong uh, and not just say, okay, let's let's start out by commodifying everything and that's going to be efficient. It's like you when you do that, you have things like markets for slaves and, and things that are just completely abhorrent. And But it's it can be very easy to say, well, I mean, the, the market said so. <laughs> this is... Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I think you're you're absolutely right. You know, if Henry George was a better scholar, he would have seen, um, and he was well aware of why um, economics, why economics was corrupted. Right? He 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 was well aware that people benefit when wrong ideas about economics are popularly held, and he he knew better than anyone, really. Yeah. Um, but if he was a better scholar, he would have seen that in Hobbes and Locke, because that was their project. They they wanted to undermine the idea that the market works for society. They wanted to enslave people to the market for the benefit of their patrons, essentially. Yeah. No, and I, I think it's it becomes an all or nothing thing. Either mm. you have absolute pro- you have all absolute property rights, just like you know Locke said so. You know everything is yours and yours exclusively, and we will you know basically sue each other over torts and blah, you know, or everything belongs to the commons, and we have to live in a big commune. It's like it's like right. it's like we don't have to make a choice that's severe, and it's the false dichotomy. Yeah, it's not going to work either. But we can say, hey, let's all agree, let's not enslave people. That's a good start. And then, <laughs> and there's a million other things we adjudicate based on like saying, you know, this is wrong, this is right, and I mean, and you can't just appeal to say, you know, the market says so, property rights say so, and you can't just basically say well we have to tear everything down it's it's but it's hard i mean that's that's our challenge i think right i mean 
Yeah, you know, uh, there's so much to say about that. You know, the market obviously is a good way of uh, getting, as it were, um, efficiencies, bringing efficiencies into exchange. And in certain circumstances, it's a good way, for example, to get a good price for things. However, um, you know, in a circumstance of shortage, um, you know, for essential items like food um, in in a famine, prices go up. Yeah. Know? And this this for um, classical scholars like um, Aristotle was an abhorrence, absolute abhorrence. And they were they were like this. It, this is completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm, I, I agree with it. I agree with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting back to the um, the false dichotomy, yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That somehow uh, we have this idea that either it's full on capitalism or it's full on Marxism, and this is this is nonsense. And um, if you look at the reality of our actual uh, situation, um, you will see that we have the mixed regime. Yeah, essentially every regime is mixed. And calling, you know, um, calling what we have in Britain uh, capitalism is is almost an abs is 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 a joke. It's actually a joke. I mean, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, Adam Smith would barely recognise it. Yeah. He'd say what we have is monopoly rent seeking. You know, it's not capitalism. Capitalism, he understood, was a narrowly defined set of rules. And um, likewise, to say that. Um, what you've got in China is communism is also laughable. I mean, in the pure sense, nearly neither capitalism nor Marxism actually work. And well, they work for themselves. That yeah. is, they they take money from people who need it, take money and people, uh, you know, resources from people who need it, and give it to people who don't need it. And and and, and they, so this is a problem, and they need to be controlled. So, I mean, if you look at um, Europe, uh, you know, mainland Europe. Uh, they get it right. They get that balance. Hmm. They get that balance right, and they've got tons of spare time, and they get stuff done. You know, yeah. <laughs> and it's all right. And it's like this is, <laughs> they're not they're not all frog marching around like communists. Or yeah. I mean, there's a question. Like, do we do we serve to uh, uh, do we exist to serve markets, or do markets exist to serve us? I mean, they're supposed mm. to be useful, but I think that there's this idea. And we're, we talked earlier about like you know people who are psychopaths, and I think they're probably among people who strive to become billionaires. There's probably you know a disproportionate amount of people who just feel the purpose of life is to con- you know conquer and and win the game. And like, does it really make sense that we've built a system in which in, in which like anything is fair game as long as the goal is to make billions? It's like it, no, yeah, it, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. What what if we that's it. The, the teleology and technical term for it is teleology. Like, what is it for? Yeah. What is it for? I remember I asked a student in, in class recently um, uh, because they were saying, you know, democracy is great. Yeah, we should have more democracy. And, and I, I was like, why? Why? Why should we have more democracy? And uh, what is democracy? Because they, they, they say, well, democracy is good. I'm like, well, it may be good, but what's it for? Hmm. And, and they couldn't answer me. They they literally said democracy. It's for democracy, isn't it? Right. It's 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 a strange thing. We get fixated on these concepts, and we think somehow they're good in themselves, right? But the whole point of democracy that it's good for people, 
and and you should only have so much of it or as much as is necessary and have it all if it's all good but you should only have you, you, you have something in so far as and in as you know only in as much as it's good for human life right for us yeah that's what it's it, it, the market is here to serve us <laughs> we're not here to serve the market yeah and, and I, I, you, that's you'd think but in reality and that's true. I mean, it's, it's very weird that, you know, in some ways, if you think radically, you can reach pragmatic outcomes like this of saying like, oh, yeah, let's kind of make things work for good purposes instead of just following dogmatic rules about mm. what property rights are. And it's kind of that is mm. the radical idea as opposed to the idea that, oh, let's say we want to reform the way we work cities so people can actually live and not make, you know, untold <laughs> millions of uh, as opposed to just, you know, stealing money from from people who just. Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. considered, oh, because that is the status quo, that's the serious way of thinking. And to mm. and to reform that, well, that's not respecting the property rights, you're, you're you know. But it's it's well, it's, it's it's worse than that. We're saying that um, you know the um, the kind of ideas that we're on the verge of contemplating in, during this con this this conversation um, are not realistic, right? Because we don't understand that human nature is there to you know is based on this is based on the reality. They say you know the kind of Freudian dark self theory that we're here to sort of dominate and exploit each other. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah, we've we've got this idea that we've got to follow the system, even when the system is blatantly absurd. Like um, with Brexit, we're going through Brexit at the moment here in the UK. Yeah, and there's one of the arguments for doing it is that people voted for it. Yeah, and it's just like, well, you know, people will vote for stuff that's not worth doing. Do yeah. we have to do that as well? Like, you know, it's mad. I know that's a, it's 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 very easy to defer to process and mm. and and I mean and, and it's one Mechanism. thing yeah. exactly and in one hand it's like well of course you can't have chaos at every moment where you reconsider absolutely everything but the kind of way you can defer to you know kind of a a, a a protocol that is seems like oh this is the way things are done like. That's how atrocity. I mean, it just imagine there is these big books on how you push a button and send enough you know nuclear weapons to to kill you know most of the world's population. Like people design those protocols and and people will obey it. You know, and that's the thing we have to consider. What are we doing? And and if you don't take a step back and say, well, you're not being realistic. This is a real world. You can just live with all these monstrosities around you. Yeah, I mean, you put your finger on it. I think you know. Yeah, we're just blindly following these conventions, and we're, and 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 it's like everybody knows that it's not right, but we think somehow that we're not in control of it. It's bizarre. Yeah, you know, I think about all the people commuting. I, I luckily I live fairly close to where I work. Usually, I kind of make a point of it. But I think about people who commute. You know, and 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 it's like one or two people commuting, fine. But like everybody. Yeah. Everybody is moving from A to B and back to A again, burning huge amounts of resources, like wasting their own time. And it's like everybody's doing it and everybody's aware of it, but it somehow it's beyond us to reflect on it and, and think, well, is it the best way of doing stuff? But, you know, um, like you said, uh, and as well, um, but this, you know, gets, this gets us back to Christianity because this is Jesus's problem with the Pharisees. 
right, wasn't it? This is the problem with the Pharisees. I mean, they basically um, got him hung. You know, they got they well, not, not quite hung because he because he was he was working on a Sunday. Well, yeah. Saturday, you know, he would break the Sabbath. He broke the rule. Yeah, it was more important uh, for them. The Pharisees are these people. The the the, the 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 letter of the law was more important than the content of the deed. Yeah, and and this, the, I mean, it is the kind of ultimate form of the problem but yeah i mean but this is this is the point this gets us back in a way to the greeks as well and 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 you said you know we can't just sit around sort of talking or thinking about it all the time but you know they were kind of like yeah but we should be (laughs) thinking that's actually what we're supposed to be doing yeah that's actually that's the human task you know it's like we we inhabit this realm between mechanistic nature and and purely spiritual being right and we've got to negotiate it and and in a way it requires us thinking that's basically it like we need to sit down and think about it yeah it reminds and me and if it's not working change yeah it reminds me of uh tolstoy in his his uh when he rewrote the gospels uh himself he rewrote uh, reference to the pharisees as the orthodoxy because he was currently mm-hmm. he was he, he didn't have a great time with the russian orthodoxy but it reminds me of you know kind of orthodox economics today what is it mm-hmm. you know we have young people they go to school to learn things but really they don't really learn kind of the shape of the ethics of the economy as much as they're basically told this is the way things are you know take it down and and subsume it and it's it's, it's a huge problem yeah and our universities should be places people think but it's kind Mm. of funny that it really is more about you learn a few amoral tools you know things that just kind of it's not about right and wrong and now administer the economy you know you've learned and it's 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 a bit scary that who is out there actually re you know trying to rethink about what is what what is this for and that's that gets us back in a way though uh, to the problem of rights because rights are this mechanistic way of approaching ethics you know it's my that parking space is mine i have a right to it because like i got here first yeah it doesn't matter if someone else needs it more than me you know (laughs) and it's it's the problem is that you know we're not thinking about ethics we're thinking about the the rules the orthodoxy yeah you know I mean, and so it's a huge problem because we don't uh, and, and this is actually what political philosophy was um, invented or discovered to do. I mean, discovered for it was to sort of question convention. And sometimes that convention is um, is religious and sometimes it's secular. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the philosopher in a way is the archetypal human who has to kind of question what it is that we're supposed to be doing and 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 that's dangerous and uh, you know and it takes time yeah and i think it's it's funny because we're, we're living in interesting times in a lot of ways but it feels that a lot of ways we're looking at how we analyze the economy especially it is almost more dogmatic than ever and it's like this is not the time to be dogmatic i don't know it's mad it's mad yeah i mean uh, it's it's strange. It's like on the one hand, we think that we created society like out of nothing, that we're kind of like these kind of all powerful, in a, in a way, semi all powerful beings that can just create things like um, we can do, we can do what we like, you know, 
Uh, but on this other hand, we just we, we're completely incapable of of realizing what it is that we can change. And mm. economics is, is 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 one of those things. And you know, I, I I got the idea like we should all all of us take a month off, maybe just one country at a time. Yeah. You know, but we all really need to sit down and have a chat about this, right? Because while we're busy like paying the rent, the we killing the earth yeah you know the the environment is destroyed we're destroying the environment you know so it's like yeah we're all gonna have nice pension pots and stuff you know but <laughs> and i think we have nothing to give to our children and it's like but you know it, it but we're convinced that if we don't somehow keep sort of earning more money that everything's gonna fall apart i mean yeah and and then you kind of go to the fact like oh it's like oh isn't aren't you are you not thinking of the practical concerns you think of you know someone like the you know the Fourier and all this like oh he thought that okay everybody just needs to kind of you know figure out how to get along and then the this the oceans will literally turn into lemonade and he had all these crazy stupid <laughs> ideas just completely idiotic ideas about you know I mean it was nice that he actually wanted to make things better but you know he wasn't practical at all but I think the goal of political economy is to couple you know the ideas of right and wrong with the practical aspects and that is and 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 it's not about just blindly accepting dogma and it's not Mm. about just dreaming of lemonade oceans it's 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 trying to be realistic but then also try to do some good things yeah yeah absolutely and um you know we we are creative um a creative species you know and and um I, th- I just feel like we really could do better. Yeah, <laughs> it's like C plus. You know, could try harder. So yeah, I think we're we're getting close to wrapping up here. But I guess uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, we'll, leaving off uh, listeners. If you want to check out, there's an article you wrote recently uh, on Land and Liberty. Uh, uh, it's George's Revolutionary Christianity. You can look that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, anything else you want to you know? I guess give a give a message of uh, of uh, hope or optimism for uh, for listeners. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think George, I'm just going to go back to George. Uh, I think he is an incredible example of what a thinking person can can do. And he discovered a natural law to society, the, the, the law of rent, if you like, or, or the way the law of rent works in society. He saw it, he discovered it, and um, and we can all do that. And, and that's that's the thing that he didn't have any special training and he wasn't a genius it's it, it's there for natural law if you like is there for us all to see and uh and and so it, what we have to do is just sort of accept our responsibility to do that and, and give ourselves the time to get there and on the flip side of that i think that um, those of us who do have influence and stuff really need to stop putting it off we need to stop thinking yeah well once i've you know made x amount of money or got this nice job then i'll do my charity work or whatever i think we actually need to just think right actually i'm i'm gonna do it now yeah and uh, and, and i think that would help. but also want to say tell you listen follow follow me on twitter follow us on twitter <laughs> land and liberty twitter and and like join the conversation and try and explode uh, dogmatic thinking everywhere 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's this idea of, of you know, I think for the respect we have for you know uh, you know Henry George and this show is named after him. I mean, it's not that there's some sort of you know uh, you know magic about his, the man or the ideas, but it's mm. it's very powerful that you know uh, you know he showed the power of original thought, and I think it's it's just a, a good way to look at how we all are capable of of communicating and thinking and making a better world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I hope you maybe get to come to our conference, uh, the, the the Henry George Foundations. Uh, we've got a conference in September, and we're looking at um, uh, an incredible scholar uh, called Charles Charles Avela from uh, from the Philippines, who's done some extraordinary work. Basically, he's discovered that. Um, uh, early Christians um, like Augustine, they also knew about land tax. Mm. And um, another another of our colleagues has has discovered that um, um, that they've had the uh, what's it called uh, the uh, Mencius Mencius in China three hundred years before Jesus. He knew about the land tax. So. It, like I say, it's, it's it's a natural law of a natural law of justice. It's on another level of reality from uh, law, from legislation, from human law, and that even if you know we as a society, like in the twenty first century, do not conform ourselves and our actions to that understanding, another society will. And um, and basically, it's it's the thing that makes or breaks us. But it's it's always there. So there is there is a truth. There is truth, and there is um, there there is some sort of satisfaction or reassurance in the discovery of that. And and uh, and like once once we become familiar with the great minds and uh, well-intentioned people throughout history, who we join a, a nice a good a club. Right. Yeah, and, and it really makes life easier. Let's see. Yeah. Well. It's, <laughs> well. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Simon. It's been it's been really fun to talk to you all episode. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Mark's been really cool. You can find this episode and previous episodes online at the website seethecat.org, where there's iTunes subscription RSS feeds and all that. This is a presentation of. He's a shoe Stanford.